on this episode of AV Week is Amazon, an AV company. What makes a system mission critical and making the most of certifications for global AV companies. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 371, recorded Friday, October 5th, 2018. Branch Q. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. And by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio, visual, news, and information. My name is Tom Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week, first and foremost, her name is Dawn Mead. She is an industry uh, veteran. She hosts our uh, AV social show, but she also is an end user herself. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me once again. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, also, uh, with the, uh, the other side of that uh, is Mr. Matt Scott. He is the host of our our Resi Show, Resi Week. Uh, he is also a uh, member of the uh, CDO board. He speaks for himself, though, and uh, he has an integration firm up in London, Ontario. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, I do mention mention this. Uh, thank you to Mr. George Tucker for uh, hanging out and, and filling in for me next uh, last week. Rather, uh, he may he may be filling in for me next week. Who knows? Um, uh, as uh, I went to the AV Magazine's AV Awards uh, last Friday, so that was that was a lot of fun. That was very interesting. Thirteen hundred AV professionals in a in a ballroom. May have been some alcohol involved, but a whole lot of fun and, and some great folks. Really, some great folks, and, and they've been doing it for twenty years. And that was that was a lot of fun. If you if you want to see it and see our coverage of it, we, we sort of broadcast uh, from London there. And, and as the show happened, and I was kind of a I don't know, it was it was a kind of a play by play of the Oscars uh, for AV. So it was kind of interesting. So. All right, let's kick this off with the first story here. Actually, comes from AV Magazine. Uh, global integrator AVMI uh, achieves AV Avixa Apex status, and what's important and, and why that that uh, is kind of picked my uh, piqued my brain. It's the fact that AVMI actually won Global Integrator of the Year uh, from the the AV Magazine Awards. But Don, I want to start with you on this. Does this do awards like this uh, do do, do uh, does Apex matter when it comes to the global? AV and, and your company um, has a couple of offices outside of the U.S. and so you know that you you've got some experience here. Does having that apex matter not only here in the U.S. but also when you start talking about putting offices and, and putting standards, you know, across the pond and across the world? Well, uh, I mean, granted, I've been an Avixa Infocom, whatever name they are this week, uh, cheerleader for quite a number of years, and I do. Oh have a lot of respect for the APEX certification, unlike some previous company certifications in the past. It's not just, we have this many employees, here's our check, give us a, a rating. You know, the um, APEX status is actually a very rigorous um, process to go through in order to earn that status. It's not just, 
we're this size, we have this many offices and this many CTS holders or CTSI, CTSD holders. You have to provide documentation, you have to provide examples of adherence to their standards that are um, the ANSI standards that are coming out more and more in our industry. Um, in fact, they, the, the first year that it came out, I took a three-day class at Infocom on how to get an APEX certification. And even at that, the integrator I was with at the time took more than a year to go through all of the steps to get the, to get through the process to be certified. So the APEX certification isn't just a, here's my check, here's my certificate, hooray, kind of thing, like some certs in the past from them and other groups may or may not have been. But it really does speak to the process, to the quality of the work that's being done, and to the seriousness with which that integrator or that company um, takes their business and takes how they do their business. So I think it's a big benefit, of course, being a skeptic. I also see, you know, some companies may get an APEX certification that the branch in this, in this city put together and they provided their documentation and their, num you know, numbers of CTS holders across the world, but branch A or B did all the paperwork and branch A or B may be spectacular, but branch Q over there and, you know, the middle of a, a you know no-fly zone or whatever they 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 may not adhere to the same standards quite as rigorously. So it's a definitely a differentiator amongst integrators, but it can't be the only decision-making factor. Put it that way. All right. Yeah. And the one thing the one thing I, I find fascinating and I I really appreciate about this new certification from uh, from Avixa is the customer feedback. Yeah. Right, and that's one aspect that we interviewed uh, Jimmy Caldera, who's the the outgoing CTS uh, uh, steering committee chair, about this. He's he's actually helped two companies now uh, get that, and he talked about you know he has a couple of Fortune 500 clients, and trying to get the right person in a Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 company to fill out a form is is you know difficult at times. So, uh, yeah. Matt, when it comes to stuff like this, and Don makes a, a good point about the, the multi-location uh, uh, issues that, that we may run into when it comes to, you know, one office is the one who actually gets the certification, but it, it applies globally. When it comes to becoming this, this global provider, what does it really take to make sure that, that you as an integrator have, you know, not just that, you know, if, if you want to get the, the APEX certification, but also the documentation and make sure that your quality and your product is the same in London, Ontario, as well as, as London, UK, if you guys choose to do a job there. Oh gosh. Um, money, lots and lots and lots of money. Uh, if anyone's followed any sort of the political realm recently working cross-border uh, no matter where you go or where you're based is incredibly complicated these days. Uh, as, as far as trying to maintain standards, that comes down to your management and your corporate culture. And, you know, we've worked with multiple companies that have had U.S. offices and Canadian offices. And there is a, a marked difference between companies that have a fantastic corporate culture and their, their, you know, employees and staff know what is expected of them. Uh, and we've worked with quite a few companies that don't have that corporate culture and that leadership uh, from the top down so that that satellite office 
runs completely contrary to how head office thinks they're running. And when it comes to AV integration firms, that's not any different. Um, You will see that. And and probably one of the biggest things where you'll see that is when it comes down to localized uh, either customs or laws. Mm. I have worked with countless U.S. firms, and, and this is no offense against the U.S., but how the U.S. does business and how states, because it varies obviously state to state, does business and can do business is completely different than how Canada or Ontario does business. Um, Even to the point of, we dealt with a client years ago who literally specified the screws that were used to hang products on the wall. And you guys would use a Phillips. We don't use Phillips for anything. We use Robertson. It's a weird thing, but it was written into their spec. And I may or may not have got into a very heated discussion over the fact that we are not importing screws uh, from Tulsa, I believe, uh, to help us complete this project. We would use locally sourced screws and that would be fine. Um, the, the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on, which, which you didn't ask me about, but I'm going to touch on it anyways, is the one thing uh, kind of that Don brought up with, with certifications and things like that. To me, when I look at certifications, there's obviously value there and companies have put a lot of work in hopefully to get that certification, but that certification is only valuable to that company if they market it appropriately. And anyone who's looking at Apex or any other certification, if you're going to spend the time and effort or, or more importantly, dedicate staff to spend the time and effort to get a certification, please market it, please use it. Because there are obviously, uh, you know, designers and, and specifiers who know what Apex means. There's a lot of end users who could care less about Apex or any other standard. It doesn't matter what the standard is. And when you don't use that as the differentiation factor, or at least one of your factors, um, it, it devalues that certification in general. I have nothing but love for Avixa. Um, I know a couple of companies that are, that are Apex certified. And they're fantastic. But I also want to see people market it. There's still too many people that don't know that Avix exists, that CD exists, that CTS means something. If you're going to go to the work to get Apex, that better be plastered on everything you do. Although expanding on that, there are also still a lot of AV companies that either don't know about these certifications and programs or they don't care to pursue them. And then you start getting folks like me joining the ranks of the end users and writing in SOWs, hey, by the way, we require CTSs amongst your staff. We require CTSDs amongst your designers. We require programming certifications among the programmers. And oh yeah, preference will be given to Apex holders. And you, in order to be commissioned and paid, you need to follow the ANSI AVIXA standards mm-hmm. throughout the process and the AQAV quality standard. And and that does lead to a much bigger discussion, which I'm sure Tim does not want to get into today, but let's continue to steal this show. Um, (laughs) I still think think I'm in England right now, so go ahead. And know that and and realize, because my company is one of those companies. We don't currently have a CTS on staff. And the reason that even myself, I haven't gone to get a CTS is because currently 
We don't need it for the projects we're, com- we're, we're working on or competing on. They're not written into the specs. But that's, that, a, I think that's, that, that's part of Dawn's point, though. Matt, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. There, there's, <laughs> but there, there's two sides of this marketing thing and two sides of this push, right? It, it's from the, the end users, right? Like, like, you know, the, the tech managers, the folks like, like Dawn, who work inside the companies where the work is being built, work is being done, need to ask for it, need to start mm-hmm. you know, asking for the scope of works to be written and, this, and the, the specification to be written. And then from the integrator side, Matt, your side, folks need to get it and start, you know, touting the fact that, Hey, we're, a, we're, 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 uh, we're apex where we've got this many CTSs. We have this many XYZ company, uh, you know, certification qualified programmers or whatever. And, and, and that's exactly what I'm saying is once you get any certification, you need to tout it because our industry is still one that in our own minds and within our, you know, community. And when we go to things like the AV awards or, uh, the EMEA awards that CD had the night before yep. in the UK, you you sit there and go, hey, wow, we're we're awesome, we're a big deal, but so many people outside of our industry have no idea that we exist. So when you get certifications, when you get uh, these things that show that you've spent time in that we're a real industry, you need to get out there and get on your soapbox and preach it, so that you know, the end users become more aware and we can grow the industry. And, and not just the end users like myself that are the, the, the technology specifiers within a company, but make sure your coworkers, if you're like me in, entrenched in a company, make sure your coworkers know this is a thing. My AV department lives under the IT department. To this day, the IT department, a lot of them think we're still the wild west of those crazy AV people that come in and try to touch our network and don't have any kind of standards or policies or anything. And when I came on board here and started saying, no, no, we're following the ANSI Avixa standard that was developed in cooperation with Bixie and with this one and with that one, and I pull out all the standards that Avixa has, and I pull out the AQAV standard, you know, the AV9000, and I pull out these things, and I've heard from several different IT managers oh my God, thank you for actually having standards and knowing about standards and letting us know this is a thing now because we thought you guys were still kind of just those weird AV kids hanging out in the corner and trying to touch our network. The, the Wild West, the Wild West, as Uncle Richie likes to say. So, yes. Stop All right. touching my network. <laughs> uh, from our buddies over at Commercial Integrator, Tom LeBlanc writes about Mission Critical AV. Uh, his title of his, the market for Mission Critical AV is expanding and actually going beyond military, uh, which is fascinating. Quote, unquote, Mission Critical used to be deemed just for the Department of Defense and other satellite missions. Uh, as the world changes, especially in the cyber world, World protecting data affects everyone from retailers protecting credit card data to social media companies protecting user uh, data. The market has certainly broadened. Matt, I want to start with you on this. When it comes to these large mission systems, um, uh, Tom makes the, the argument that this market is growing, and I've, I've actually seen that in a couple of different places. Um, Avixa this this week released a, a a report about another market growing as well. What areas or what markets are you guys seeing? Not just in in, in you know in in Canada, but also you know in North America and possibly globally beyond these these mission uh, systems. Uh, you know, I think when we say mission critical, obviously we always go DoD, we go defense, we go military, we go governmental. Um, when you ask a business owner if their networks or if their infrastructure is mission critical, 
they're going to tell you all day long that it is. And we did, we did a study with one of our clients um, probably a, a year or so ago to determine the hard cost of the, the value that they lost, the money they lost in a dead uh, meeting room, i.e. a meeting room that they could not get to operate. And it was astounding to me. I don't remember the exact figure, but it was astounding to me that if they had a meeting room that they could not get running for 10 minutes, this is what that meant to them on a bottom line dollar and cents point of view. So I think when we start talking mission critical, it's something that we need to, it's not just an industry uh, or or specific verticals. Um, You talk to house of worship, which we do a lot of work with. They will tell you that Sunday morning, their entire system is mission critical. And you better be ready to answer the phone if that goes down. There are quite a few clients who, if they lose a huddle room for a day or, or, or you know, a couple hours, that's not a big deal. If they lose servers, that's a huge deal. You start talking to restaurants uh, or uh, quick serves or anything like that. If they lose background music and they get inspected by one of their franchise um, partners, uh, I can't remember the exact term, they will get dinged and fined because they don't have background music. Mission critical, obviously there's a difference between, oh my gosh, we can't access you know, the nukes or something like that from a military standpoint. There obviously is a difference to that. It's not necessarily life and death, but when it comes to something that can impact uh, a company's f- fiscally, they will tell you nine times out of 10 that everything we do is mission critical. And because we're putting so much stuff on the network, it all comes down to that network and ensuring that that network is up so that they don't lose time and money. Don, same kind of question here beyond, beyond, yeah, Matt makes a good point that that all of these systems, depending on who you are and where you live are mission critical, but you know, what other areas are you seeing growing? Well, first of all, I find it personally kind of ironic that we're just now saying mission critical is becoming a thing in 2018 the last two or three integrators I've worked for, and this is going back over the last 10 years, 15 years, we've done a lot of mission critical work and they weren't all government at all. Some of them were, you know, emergency operations centers for, you know, in case there's a hurricane or a riot or whatever, but I live in Baltimore, come on. But realistically (laughs) speaking, you know, that's, that's mission critical. But so is a network operations center for a finance company or a regular company for that matter. It doesn't even have to be finance, just a corporation. Their network operations center, some of these, some of these NOCs that we built were equal to the EMOCs that we built for the government. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but expanding on that and, and kind of going off of something Matt said, you know, yeah, you might get dinged in a restaurant if you don't have background music. But my ex and I went to a sports bar on a Sunday afternoon when all the games were on and their direct TV system was down. Now, granted, two AV pros, we were able to score some free dessert because we went over to the rack and Harry uh, fixed it up for them and their manager was forever grateful because they didn't lose all that business. You know what, to that sports bar, <laughs> direct TV and all those TV channels showing the game or all the games, that's mission critical. I don't care who you say. So, you know, so it, we're, it, it, we're recording on a Friday night before a massive UFC fight tomorrow night. Yes. You tell me that every bar, restaurant, grill, whatever, heck, every one of my residential clients 
if that, if their system does not work tonight, the thousands of dollars that they will lose, the mm-hmm. tens of thousands, and in some situations, the hundreds of thousands of dollars that they will lose by not being able to show that fight tonight is definitely mission critical to them. Well, I mean, I, it was it was my first year in the industry or second year in the industry, my very first integrator. And the boss got a call from a sports bar the night before the Super Bowl that their entire video system was down and they couldn't get hold of the integrator that put it in. So out of the blue, we went to a company we didn't even know. The guys went out. They were able to get the system up and running. They were able to watch the Super Bowl in the bar, made a crap ton of money. I mean, that's mission critical, you know? So, And if I can flip this conversation for a second, with what we were talking about, (laughs) stop, Tim. I'm going to do it. I'm used to hosting my own show, man. Come on. (laughs) Yours records on Monday. I'll be on that one. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I thought this was Monday. When we we start treating all of our clients, like every project that we do for them is mission critical. Mm -hmm. That is, that's another one of those ways where we can lift our industry up and we continue to build our industry by going out there and and having that mindset that, yeah, we're putting in a huddle room for you, but you know how distraught they'll be if it doesn't work to you, it might be a 10 minute fix for them. They're already uncomfortable with technology. If we can treat every one of our projects as a mission critical project for that client, Again, we do nothing but look great in their eyes and continue to boost the reputation of our ourselves, our own company, and our industry in general. And I, I just want to, I just want to point out that the fact that that Harry and Don did that for dessert, I would have charged much more than that. So, have oh yeah, I would have sent them a massive. Like our dessert. Well, yeah, I, I'm 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 in the same boat. Um, all right, uh, last story here. Um, there, it's not a news story, but you know, I, I should I probably should have written it up. Um, Amazon came out with a new uh, service this week. I guess is the best way to put this. It's called AWS Elemental, and AWS is, is Amazon uh, Web Services. Um, we here at AV Nation use Amazon Web Services for hosting our audio and and, and a lot of our video. Um, but this is a step beyond what um, their normal AWS is. It's called Elemental. There are media services involved with this. There's cloud services. There's on-prem as well as off-prem. It's it's an interesting time to be in the AV industry. And 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 Dawn, I want to ask. I'll start with you on this. With everything that that Amazon has kind of announced uh, with this with this new product, it, at what point do we start considering Amazon an AV company and and a competitor? Uh, I think that would have been a year or two ago when they came out with the AV services that you could hire through Amazon with their services um, sector. Because we already have customers, we, the integrators, when I was an integrator, already have customers buying their equipment from Amazon. Then when they can just go onto Amazon and say, hey, find me someone to hang this thing, that's when they're a competitor. Um, I I think the new AWS Elemental is definitely – something that the production companies should be a little worried about and um, or, or, or take full advantage of if they can get in there, understand it and leverage it in their existing business model or slightly shift their business model. It could be a big boon to it. But uh, I mean, you know, it, it's not fair to say Amazon is becoming an AV company because Amazon is becoming the world company, Amazon and Alphabet 
And yeah, I mean, there's probably maybe Microsoft, maybe, you know, there's a few of them out there, but they're, they're, they've got their fingers in everything. So you can't really just say, hey, Amazon's an AV company now because they're like, you know, it's like I've always said with AV, if you get rid of all the AV in the world, you know, there would be, you wouldn't understand, like modern life would be completely different because you wouldn't have TVs and microphones and screens and it would just be a different world. Same thing with Amazon and, and Alphabet and some of these other companies. Once you get rid of them, like nowadays, how would we live? We'd have to go back to paper and figure that out. So I'd have to go to the store. Yeah, physically. Terrible. Dur during hours when the store is open instead of shopping at three oh. in the morning. And deal with people. Yeah, no, not so, people. Yeah, we, I know. We can't, right? we can't have that. Oh. <laughs> All right, Matthew. Last question to you. Last, last, uh, last word on this. What is is Don right? They've always they've been a, a AV company for a while, so this is just another step. Yes. Yeah, she is. She's a hundred percent right. And I, I would. That. I know, right? <laughs> I would argue that it, if anything, she's she didn't give them enough credit for how long they've been doing this. They've been a competitor as soon as they started selling products at quite often are, you know, our, our dealer costs. As soon as that started to pop up and you could get Polycom cheaper from them than you could from your supplier, or you could get Yamaha or, or, or enter whatever product you want. Uh, they became a competitor now that they're doing uh, this new elemental stuff, which is absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait to play with it. It looks awesome. Um, now that they're doing this, again, the, the progressive integrators will look at this and they will utilize it and they'll resell it to their clients. And they'll do things with it the same way that, you know, we've been using AWS for so long to do different things that we need to do. Um, the non-progressive, the stuck in the mud, the dare I say, older crowd, uh, will look at this as a competitor and they'll raise a lot of noise and make a big fuss over the fact that uh, Amazon's getting into their business. And I'll tell you right now, Amazon will probably do this better than most of the manufacturers are. They ha We've been saying this for a long time in, in both of the industries that I work in, that Amazon is one of those massive beasts that we overlook. They have way more money than anyone else does in this industry. They have way more talent than anyone else does in this industry. As soon as they decide, oh, we want to play here, they're going to do it and they're going to make us all look really, really bad. Now, they'll do a couple things that make us look really good, like Amazon services, which sometimes aren't great. Uh, but at the end of the day, now that they're playing in this, like the, the live video ingest stuff, I cannot wait to start playing with that and seeing what we can do with that. Yeah. That will be, could be groundbreaking to be able to do all that processing in the cloud, not local. That's really interesting to me. Uh, we'll have to see where it goes. But again, if you're progressive, you'll get on board with this and you'll figure out how this fits your business and what you're doing. And it'll give you another value add. So please be progressive a little bit, just a teeny tiny little bit. Yeah, I, I saw the. I, I was going through the the different applications that they were they were they were touting, and there were certainly some services. And not to you know beat a, a dead horse, but you know a lot of publications have been writing about you know recurring revenue for a long time, and making that you know part make at least a portion of of your of your revenue every year. 
creating hmm. uh, applications and creating um, uses for this and, and utilizing this to provide to your clients is certainly one way you could you could start you know upping your recurring revenue every year. Oh, offering AWS products as part of your offering and reselling it. That's that's groundbreaking. It's Why not groundbreaking. This? That's the thing. It's not groundbreaking. You know. Um, that was his all sarcastic right. voice, Tim. I, 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 it's the it's <laughs> the you. accent. It, I, I can't. Sometimes his his sarcasm doesn't always come through to me. Yeah, the Canadian accent is so difficult to understand. <laughs> what, what kind of processes do you do? We use processes because it has an O in it. Yeah. All right. On that note, we're going to say <laughs> goodbye. Uh, thank you both so much, Miss Dawn Mead. How do people find you? Well, seeing as how I work for one of those companies that uh, is in the defense sector, we don't really talk about that anymore. But you can still find me here on AV Social uh, and AV Nation uh, when I show up on the AV Week show. And you can find me on the Twitters and the other social media things at AV Dawn. So right. find you. me there. Uh, also, Mr. Matt Scott, always a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me soapbox just a lot. Anytime, anytime. How do people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott. You can find me on our network, AV Nation, hosting Resi Week as a guest on AV Week, Don Show. I get around a little bit. Yeah, you uh, were on Don Show's last time. I too. was. It was fantastic. Yeah. We had a great conversation. She's a really good host. Thank you. She How is are a, you? She and Kelly. Even fantastic. if you don't have me on your show, you're a really good host too. <laughs> We can't talk about Fight Club, Don. We talked about this. Like, you just said it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, you can also find me at Cedia. Uh, if you have any questions about that uh, or anything else, reach out. All right. Very good. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me on the Twitters uh, because at this point, I am rooting on the Bears who are the number one spot in the NFL Central. So I just want to point that out there. I can still say that for at least a couple of weeks. So uh, how, how are the Cowboys doing, Matt? Yeah, so, so what now? And <laughs> Cowboys are Matt's team. And sure Cowboys do, does that count? And is, the, is the Steelers. So yeah, uh, we're not talking about that this year either. No, no. And, and, and let's be honest, I won't be talking about the Bears in a couple weeks. Uh, but go by the website if you would please, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. While you're there, please check out the underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us go to CDA, which we just did, and ISE, uh, which will be in a couple months, and uh, New York Digital Signage Week, which will be uh, first uh, the end of October. So all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for TV Week.